Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. At the very beginning of the program, I want to say hello to those of you who may be listening, especially out in the West Coast. Had a great time there recently, giving talks at a Couples for Cana retreat with people like the Murray family who put those things together and the Juarez family. And I also got a call from a priest who is a listener here at Light of the East, which I'm always gratified to hear from listeners and and very touched that it was a a brother priest who called me. And he wanted to know what my thoughts would be or if I would be addressing this recent monumental decision that, of course, we all know about by the Supreme Court to basically say that there is such a thing that can be legalized as so-called same-sex marriage. Although this program is about the riches of the church east and west, primarily the eastern Catholic churches. Nonetheless, there are certain things that, of course, that are very universal, that affect us all as Americans and as Catholics, as Christians. Basically, no matter who we are, what we are, this particular issue will affect us all in all kinds of ways, many ways we cannot understand right now, but we'll have to experience. Some of these ways will be very, very painful very tragic. At the same time, as God always does, some of the ways we'll experience this era, the results of this action by the Supreme Court, may be very, very positive, as only God can do, not because of the Supreme Court, but because of God, because God will take something that is skew, that is disorder, that is evil, as he always does, as he did with the cross, the most evil of all things. He turns it into redemption. And I believe that we have to look at it that way. And the reason I believe that is partly because this program is about Eastern Christian spirituality, which is inherently very integrated. We live in the both and. So we look at this issue from both and. First of all, what happened on the level of our government is something I'm going to call the sort of the Roe versus Wade of the same-sex issue. In other words, it is bad law. 
It is a fiction. It is where a judicial branch of our country overstepped its bounds. It assumed rights and power that it simply does not have. And one of the ways that it does that, and one of the ways that anything that goes against God's order of creation, the way that always does it, the way it always, in a sense, succeeds, is when it, at the very beginning, it redefines the premise. See, that's that's the tricky part. When you redefine the premise, in other words, you set the ground rules, you create the home court, and then your argument follows from there. And just as in Roe versus Wade, where they basically said you can have abortion because what's in the mother's womb is basically just tissue, inconsequential. It's not a person, and what's important is the mother, and it's her body. She can do what she wants with it. And certainly you can see, you can hear that those premises are faulty. They're obviously faulty. But that's the premise upon which all the legalization of abortion was based. Well, so too in this case of so-called same-sex marriage, the premise upon which that argument rests itself, in which the government, especially the Supreme Court, rested its case, basically is in the redefinition, or rather the lack of an understanding, a reality of what marriage really is. And so once you redefine it, or once you deny what it really is, then your argument can flow rather successfully from that. The whole thing is flawed, of course, but it does follow once you redefine the premise. So the important thing is the premise, the beginning, the foundation, what something is, and also why something is. Now, as an Eastern Christian program, program that brings forward the gifts of the Eastern Christian spirituality, the Eastern lung of the church, as St. John Paul II would call it, we are, of course, very, very committed and in concert with whatever the Catholic Church would say, and also the Orthodox churches would say, on this issue of marriage, especially in this particular way, that it has to be only between a man and a woman, and one of its primary purposes, ordained by God, is for new life, for children, is for, I call it the two L words, for life and for love, life and love. And marriage is the primordial sacrament, it was actually the first commandment God gave to us, even before the Ten Commandments. Think about it. Way back in the beginning in the book of Genesis, what did God say? He commanded that man and woman, first of all, he made them in a complementary way, male and female, and he said to them to come together, become one, and to be fruitful and to multiply. And then later on, Jesus Christ said, whatever God has put together, no man shall separate, no man shall put asunder. Marriage is everything. Why is it everything? Well, because marriage is the way that God designed for us human beings, out of his love for us, to be able to participate in him. Yes, to actually experience the very interior life of the Trinity, which is relational, a relationship of love, and the relationship of God to us, which the scriptures and the fathers of the church and the traditions of the church refer to by analogy as a marriage. The church refers to this incredible love between God and us in the form of nuptials, of a spousal love, as St. John Paul II would call it, the spousal mystery. And he said it was fundamental to human existence. And in fact, complementarity is fundamental to the whole order of creation. Think about it. Think how many things come in complements in this life. So many things fundamental to life come in the form of complements, like a negative, a positive, a left, a right, a, a throw, a catch, a male, a female, a sun, a moon, a shore, an ocean. It goes on and on and on. Why? Because God wove into every aspect of creation, especially the human person, parts of himself, 
his own identity, his own way of loving. And this is why marriage is as it is. It is defined by God. The church simply articulates that, points to that. And the state, a government, their role is something to recognize it and to create laws that help to protect marriage. First and foremost, because it comes from God, it is not for us to redefine or to recreate. We don't create marriage. We create laws around marriage. But marriage was created by God. It's like saying the same thing about gravity. We devise rules around gravity, don't we? Yeah, we say things like you can't push somebody off of a bridge because they can't fly. They'll get hurt. You don't push somebody to the ground. They'll get hurt because there's gravity. So we make rules around the reality of gravity. But gravity came from God. We can't change that. Same thing with marriage. It's, it is as hard and fast an aspect of the created order as gravity itself. Complementarity is the DNA, the very order of creation. So it is what it is, as we often say today. And we have to live according to it. We devise a culture and rules and standards and customs around these things that are established by God that are unchanging, that cannot be changed. And furthermore, in the Eastern spirituality, especially if we ever experienced a marriage in the Eastern churches, the prayers, and this is how you get indication into what an Eastern church believes, is by its prayer. The prayers repeatedly, repeatedly in the marriage ceremony in the Eastern churches speak of marriage in light of the Trinity, God's love, and procreation. Repeatedly. These things are inseparable. What happens in life is that there's two basic choices or ways to see life. There's only really one correct way, and that's the sacramental way, the liturgical way, the way that God sees life, the way that God made us to see it. I call that the sacramental worldview. It has to do with reality, seeing life as God intended it to be seen, as it is, as he created it. The other way is ideology. Now, the word ideology, think of it the way it's spelled. The first two letters are I-D, id. That's a word used in psychology, especially Freudian psychology, id. From that, we also get words like idiosyncratic or idiosyncrasies, and even the word idiot. Now, that may sound funny, but there's a serious dimension to this. The word idiot, in, in the original Greek meaning, meant a person who lived their own world. Yeah, lived in their own world. We kind of do that almost half-jokingly, oh, that's an idiot. But it actually meant someone who was in their own world. The ID, that ID prefix at the beginning of, of those words, like ideology, basically means I, me, alone. And an ideology, because it is I, me, alone is not necessarily reality. But to make it reality, it would need to be coerced, manipulated. Ideologies can only take hold through intimidation or manipulation because they are not reality. In fact, this is what has been happening in issues like same-sex marriage, abortion, and so on. It's the only way they can take hold. They also take hold by, as I mentioned, redefining the premise erroneously, and also mixing up the meaning of words and therefore the concepts related to words. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about this mixing up of words and the meaning of words, because this is a very, very critical point, especially in our day and age. But also, we're going to look at where we find hope and what we can do in light of this monumental and regrettable decision by the Supreme Court of the United States 
to go against God's very own order of creation. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. The tradition continues. I'm Father Thomas Loya inviting you to Prairie Fest. Friday through Sunday, August 7th through the 9th. Friday night at 7.30. Chicagoland's number one classic rock cover band, Aura. Then Saturday evening, August 8th at 7.30. Prairie Fest celebrates the British invasion with American English. It was 20 years ago today. Such a ripper took the band to play. Prairie Fest kicks off Family Day Saturday afternoon at 2 with animal shows for kids. The Innisfree Folk Ensemble, followed by Harvest Moon. Sunday is Polka Day, beginning with Polka Generations at 11 a.m. The Polish Highlanders Dance Troupe, Eddie Carosa Jr., and the Czechoslovak Moravian Society Dancers. Prairie Fest also has a beer garden, food, children's games, church and prairie tours, $5,000 raffle, and more. Complete details for Prairie Fest are at the events link at ByzantineCatholic.com. ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest, Friday through Sunday, August 7th through the 9th, at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Saving Jews from the Holocaust in a wheelchair. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky was born in 1865 in western Ukraine. He was an aristocrat who gave up his wealth to become a monk. He then led the Greco-Catholic Church in Ukraine through two world wars. Exiled to Russia for three years during World War I, Sheptitsky never again enjoyed good health. From 1929 until his death in 1944, he worked from a wheelchair. From that wheelchair, Sheptitsky coordinated efforts to save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. Next time, we'll tell you more about the Archbishop, who at the height of the Holocaust wrote, A lack of love is the source of every hardship and misery. Love is the very substance of all of God's revelation. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host, and we're talking about Basically, I guess I'll call it the Eastern Catholic response by way of this program to the recent decision by the Supreme Court to declare, basically to redefine, rather that's probably more accurate, to redefine what marriage is and then to declare that it is legal to have so-called same-sex marriage. And now we're talking about how this comes to be through an ideology uses the technique of redefining terms or skewing their meaning and therefore skewing the concepts related to terms. Let's see how this happens. The very definition of marriage itself, in the very word itself, such as matrimony, 
there's a reference to motherhood there. Already in the very etymology of the word marriage implies, there's an implication of complementarity, of mother. If there's a mother, there necessarily has to be a father. If it's a father, then it's a husband. If it's a husband, then there's got to be a wife. So wife, husband, father, mother is implied even the very word marriage or matrimony. Marriage is not just any emotional bond, any sentimental kind of situation that seeks to be recognized publicly. When a man and woman come together in a relationship that we know as marriage, in whatever way they come together, just being in each other's presence, being committed to each other through the sacrament of marriage, and even in the one flesh union, most especially one flesh union, when that happens, there is on every level, on every level of the human existence, chemically, neurologically, physically, biologically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, there is something that happens between the two of them that only happens when a man and woman come together in this way. And furthermore, from that comes something that can only happen when man and woman come together, and that is the creation of a new life. This is why not anything can be called marriage. Another technique of the ideological perspective is that it equates things. So the so-called same-sex marriage decision by the Supreme Court is basically saying that this kind of relationship over here is the same as that over here. And if two things are different, but you call them the same, then basically you're setting up a lie, a dishonesty, an illusion or a delusion, and that can never result in anything good. So the very definition of what marriage is has been obscured. And as I said before, once you establish that as a premise, then your argument for same-sex marriage follows from there. This is one of the reasons why many Catholics, East and West, find themselves very defenseless on how to respond to some of these arguments. What they don't realize is that we are drawn into their court. And so we are, in a sense, defenseless because they defined the parameters. They defined the premise. And from that follows their argument. And that's why many, many Catholics, East and West, have a hard time trying to answer. They know something's wrong, but they don't know how to answer it. Well, you have to go all the way back to the beginning, to the premise. And in discussing these things, we have to always be very careful to talk about the premise, the words, the truth, at the very, very beginning, before we even get into all kinds of arguments. In fact, we shouldn't argue, we should actually witness and ask questions, challenge our opponents to clarify their positions to be very, very honest about them, especially about the meaning of words and about the meaning of the concepts of those words. All right, another thing that they do that they obscure are terms that we find in the secular sphere that are very, very dear in the secular sphere, such as rights, like civil rights. They will say that it is a civil right to be married. So we have to allow people with same-sex attraction to be married, just like people who are male and female, so-called heterosexual. They can get married, so so should these other people. Again, the definition of terms is critical, and the premise is critical here. What is a civil right? A civil right is something that is based on universal principles, not on behavior or choices or orientation. Furthermore, it is erroneous to, once again, make equal the comparison between laws that prevented white people and black people from marrying 
it is wrong to equate that with laws that are against two people of the same gender getting married. What is the difference there? The difference is that laws that prevented a black man, for instance, to marry a white woman were based on the erroneous understanding that the two of them, black people and white people, were intrinsically different, that their nature was different. So that was wrong. So denying that kind of marriage is wrong. However, in the case of same-sex marriage, the opposite is true. Man and woman are different by nature. They are intrinsically and naturally different, even though they both are, of course, human. And that's why there are rules that try to protect that, that acknowledge that and protect that complementarity. There are things that can happen that are very detrimental to humanity. If people, for instance, in the same family would marry each other, you know, like somebody marries their cousin or the brother or sister, we know that there can be all kinds of problems there. So we have laws against that because we know that man and woman are different by nature. A black person and a white person are not different by nature. See, that's a difference. But this is what gets confused, and especially is a confusion in the minds of our young people. So hopefully some young people are listening here, or if you're listening, maybe you can take some notes. Or if you wish to contact me for more about these kinds of points, you can reach me at TaborLife at earthlink.net. TaborLife at earthlink.net. On our program today, I can only just barely scratch the surface of this issue, but hopefully what we are presenting here will be helpful. And again, we're coming primarily from that sacramental, liturgical worldview of the Eastern Catholic Churches, that view which is based very, very much, very evidently on God as Trinity and our sharing in that God as Trinity and sharing in the spousal love between God and us. That's what life's about. That's the great mystery. And that is the why behind marriage. And that's why it can only be between man and woman. As I mentioned, we want to also look to where we might find hope. Hope, compassion, these things are a function of truth, of being aware, of being vigilant. You know, spirituality is about waking up, having our eyes open, Vigilance. In fact, in the Byzantine liturgy, we specifically pray during the Eucharistic prayer, what you would call the Eucharistic prayer, if you're Latin right, we call the anaphora. We actually pray for a spirit of vigilance, that the Eucharist will help give us a spirit of vigilance. So the first thing to be vigilant about is, unfortunately, I have to say, is a very difficult reality, but we must accept it. We have been progressively moving towards, and now this progress, I believe, has been accelerated with this ruling by the Supreme Court, we have been progressively moving towards the collapse or disintegration of Western civilization and even of America as we knew it. I don't know what's going to happen or what it will be like, but one thing I am sure about, and you should be also, especially if you're vigilant in any way, is that we are disintegrating and we will not be as we once were. Now, this could be painful and difficult and chaotic. We don't know exactly how it will play out, but this is what's happening. So, first thing we have to accept. Now, that's not being negative. That's actually being positive. It's like, okay, we know what we're dealing with now. Now we can rise to confront it. We're not on the defensive. We're aware. We're on our toes. We're alert. We're vigilant. Accept it. And also, we're going to work in the, as always, especially as we do in the Eastern Catholic spirituality, the both and. We're not going to be fearful and just try to placate the other side and cave in, nor are we going to be mean and nasty. 
we have to be militant, but in the right way. So it's a both-and approach. And that includes being strong and authentic in our witness of what we know is the truth. Hold our head high, spiritually speaking, and also physically and psychologically speaking. Be confident. Walk confidently. Because look at the other side. Look at the side that does not look at life sacramentally. Look at the anger. Look at the chaos. Look at the disease. Look at the dysfunction. Look at the unhappiness, the suicide, the depression. I can go on and on and on with the negatives. But we, on the other hand, we look like people who are put together, confident, humble yet confident, integrated. So be strong and authentic. Know your faith. Witness to it. That's the third thing. Witness to your faith. The new evangelization. Even be bold enough to infiltrate the other side in a good way. I'll give you an example. The other day, soon after, the court released its ruling, the Supreme Court, about legalizing same-sex marriage, so-called same-sex marriage. In addition to taking all kinds of phone calls from all kinds of distraught people and people that just needed to vent and talk together, myself included, I, I called people too, brother priests and so on like that. Priests called me, religious called me, laity called me, married people, etc. We're all kind of supporting each other. We're all like as if we all got hit in the head and we're reeling. Well, one of the things I did was I went to the local tavern from my church with my collar on at night just to be present there in case someone wanted to talk or argue or get in my face or call me names or whatever. But I was being present. I was going into the marketplace, the sphere of evangelization, and just making myself available to listen and to witness. So that's an example of things that we can do. And finally, prayer. Above all, we must be praying, in particular, to the Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary. There is hope. We may have to go through pain and purgation and cleansing. But above all, as Christians, we are people of joy and of hope and of love. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the radio button. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. <laughs>